Hello and welcome to the Veg Grower Podcast. I'm Richard, your host and dedicated gardener on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my garden and allotment. Now coming up today, we have taken a trip to a vegetable garden in a national property. And of course we have the latest updates from my own garden and allotment. So without too much fuss, let's get into it. We start this week off in the vegetable garden here at home and what I've got to say is this week we have been building on the progress that we made last week when we cleared out some spaces by removing some bushes. So one of the exciting developments that we've started this week is the creation of our very own nursery area right in front of our trusty greenhouse. Now don't get too excited, it's very much a work in progress. All I've done so far is just set up gravel trays as cosy homes for our young plants. Now this is a temporary solution while we wait for the main build later on this year. This is just to see if it will practically work. Now the plants have come together really nicely for this area and I just can't wait to get building. It's just a shame at the moment that the price of wood is still quite high. Now the idea behind this nursery area is pretty simple. It is to provide an area where I can efficiently look after my young plants and that will provide me with what I call my production line in terms of seed sowing. Now what I mean by that is when I sow seeds I start them off in one area and as they grow and move to different stages on their life i.e. they get pricked out, they get into bigger parts and so on they move along into more and more harder areas i guess is a way to say it basically gives them a bit more room as they grow and this is what i mean by a production line it feels like the plants are moved as they go along their development now it's quite a simple idea really and i've often noticed this sort of setup at many of the gardens that i visit usually they are kept out of sight they're not the the focal point the young plants but they are usually there if you look hard enough but one thing that I want to do here at home next year is make sure that the plot looks aesthetically pleasing so this area still has to look good and be a bit of a focal point at the same time now moving on from that you might remember that earlier this year I used an old bottle fridge as a cold frame now this bottle fridge had glass doors so I thought it would work quite well however what I found when I was using it is that it just got too hot on the inside and cooked many of my young plants now this bottle fridge might actually be more successful over winter when it is a little bit cooler but it does look ugly so it may still have to go. What I did this week is actually remove the plants that I kept on top of it. I was still using it as like a table. I've removed those and put those into the nursery area. It's a shame to get rid of this bottle fridge to be honest. I had high hopes the glass doors insulated body would work but uh, well it did work. It just worked too well and got too hot. Now we've also had a bit of a week with cabbages. More cabbages have been planted out into where we had our cucumber plants. These are going to be for spring cabbages so they're going to be in the ground for quite a while. 
but we have also harvested a couple of cabbages this week as well and they're a big hit of course we do quite enjoy cabbages but I am a little bit concerned in that we have quite a few cabbages that are coming along but are they going to be ready in time for Christmas I'm not sure so what I'm a little worried is that my winter cabbages might be a little late and what we've done this week is turned one of those cabbages into a bit of a festive dish but we've kept that into the freezer so it is ready as a backup plan should we not get any cabbages does seem a little bit early to think about Christmas doesn't it but it's never too early to be prepared now this week's harvests also include courgettes, raspberries, tomatoes, chilies, aubergines, carrots and much much more. What we've really noticed is we've had this week off work as, as well is just how little we now rely on the supermarket thanks to growing our own adventure. It really is becoming quite apparent we need to buy less from a supermarket and I think that is ultimately our main aim we've just got to keep it going one other job that i did this week was my seed tins it's that time of year when i just start to sort through them and deciding which seeds to stay and which ones to go can always be a bit tricky i hate waste but what i've decided and i've done this in previous years is that if a seed packet is out of date it goes i don't need to keep it now you could say that seeds that are out of date are still possibly viable, they still might grow, which is true, but I have a tendency to hoard things. So I use the out of date as a way of making a, a definite reason to get rid of seeds so that I don't end up hoarding all these seeds and keeping hold of them. It's always difficult to get rid of anything, of course, but I think having a fine line really does help. Now after sorting out all the seeds I then took time to organise the tins so that I had tomatoes in one area, roots in another, brassicas in another, basically making sure it is all organised and should give me easy access for next year. Then all these tins go back into an old fridge that I keep in my shed. Now this fridge does an excellent job of just storing the seeds at a relatively constant temperature and it's fairly vermin proof so mice or rats won't get to the seeds either so it's a good thing I find to store seeds. I also throw in a couple of silica gel packets just to keep the air a bit dry in there as well. But I also keep a note of what seeds I have and we're going to start planning what seeds we're going to sow next year. So by having a list of what we already have, it just helps me when it comes to my planning and to figure out if I need to buy any seeds or not. Now this week I also had the pleasure of visiting a garden at a National Trust property. But before we dive into that adventure, let's catch up the latest from the Supporters Club. This week in the Supporters Club, we've been sowing a couple of seeds. First of all, we've been sowing some dill seeds. Dill is a fantastic herb. This will be growing on kitchen window seals or in warm greenhouses in order to ensure we get a good supply of these herbs throughout the winter months. But we've also been sowing some lettuce seeds. We've actually sown these outside, but again, they can be growing on a kitchen window seal in a greenhouse. The world is our oyster when it comes to this. 
Now, the Supporters Club is a club I set up to keep this very podcast running. And by becoming a member, you get a collection of seeds sent to your door each and every month that you are a member. As well as extra behind-the-scenes podcasts exclusively for members, all for just £5 a month. But here's the kicker. These seeds aren't just for show. They are ready to be sown right away in that very month. And this just helps us align the seasons up with what we are growing. It's a mini garden venture every month and all it costs is a fiver. But if you have been enjoying the Veg Grower podcast, then please consider leaving a rating and review on your podcast provider. And the reason I ask this is not only does it warm our little hearts here, but it also helps other folks discover the joys of our green corner of the podcast world. So please do take a moment to share your thoughts and let's grow this community. Now join me at Batemans in East Sussex for a little garden exploration. Today, myself, my wife and the dog Roxy, we have came to a National Trust property by the name of Batemans. And this was the family home of Rudyard Kipling, who you may have heard of from his The Jungle Book work. Uh, a fantastic read, I've got to say, if you have ever read them. But one of the things that brought us here is the fact that it actually has a vegetable garden. I do like exploring some stately homes and their gardens. I always find it inspirational and interesting. Haven't done so much of it this year, but uh, here we are today and we're going to go and have a look. Now, the thing I noticed is at the entrance, they had some crates of apples that came from this very orchard here and were available for sale for donation. So I really liked it at the entrance, but after paying our fees to get in and car parking fees, we entered a gate through a wall. And straight away, right in front of us, was the vegetable garden, which I really, really did like. Now, I stated a wall there. It's a bit of a walled garden, not what I would normally expect to see. It's a bit of a lower wall than what I'd usually see in stately homes, only coming up to about five foot. Normally, they tower above me, but five foot is still a good size wall. And it's not a square. It's an interesting shape. I'll put it like that. I can't really describe it very well in audio. But upon entering, as I said, we could see the vegetable patch straight in front of us. But before that, there was a grass area with a few fruit trees, apples and medlars all growing on those, which is great to see, of course. And what amazed me is the amount of lichen on these trees. I believe lichen is a good sign that the air is fresh here. So I was very, very happy to see that. And the apple trees, some look very, very old and very well looked after. It just goes to show that making an investment in apple trees and fruit trees, they will last for a very long time. Now, I'm stood by the vegetable patch at the moment. I would say that this vegetable patch is probably 10 metres wide and about 20 metres long. So it's about the size of an allotment. It's a good size, to say the least. There are more gardens here, not just the vegetable garden. There are more gardens and the house, of course. We're focusing on the vegetable garden first. And now what I'm going to do is work my way from the top and explain to you what I'm seeing. So at the very top, we have got a 
trellis made out of hazel poles and it's using jute netting now there's nothing growing in here at the moment this is probably where they did have peas or beans growing up this is october so they've come to an end but what I liked about this and what I noticed, I've been using hazel poles on my allotment a lot more. I think they look a lot better than bamboo canes, plus the fact I have a hazel tree on my allotment that I can use. But I've been told about this jute netting as a much more sustainable way of netting our peas because the jute netting coming the end of the season can go into the compost bin. And I'm looking at getting some of that for next year. The entire vegetable patch itself is just dug in around the edges. There's no board, wooden borders or anything. It's just sunk down slightly and plenty of compost added to the bed. I can really see that. I saw the compost bins as we drove in in the gardener's area, which is sort of kept out of sight. But I do find myself lately looking more and more at compost sites in these places because I, I really am looking at how I can make more compost both at home and on the allotment. I'm looking what these places tend to do. So let's move on further down. What I see here is cardoons. Now these are like globe artichokes, just much smaller. And I think I've said before, I do have globe artichokes growing on the allotment, but I very rarely actually harvest the artichokes. So I'm debating whether I'm going to do these. These cardoons are much smaller, but the flower heads are much, much bigger. And they probably would taste a lot better. No idea, no idea. I've never really experimented with those. That might be something we think about in the coming years. Moving down to that, we've got some salad greens. We've got lettuce, but the lettuce is actually starting to bolt. I've heard in other National Trust sites that they're starting to save the seed, so they're allowing certain things to bolt in order to save seed, and that might be what they're doing here. But there's red and green lettuce. I don't know the varieties, but they're all starting to look a bit like trees and putting up their flower spikes. Moving down from that, we have got mustard. And again, red and green varieties, frilly and different style leaves. There's quite a, quite a bit of it here. I quite like mustard these days, and we've eaten quite a bit of it for that nice spicy flavour to our salad greens. So good to see. Again, some of this is looking a little bit worse for wear, but got remember, this is October. Although, looking down, I can see where they've done successional sowing. So, the ones at this side, as I said, is starting to bolt, starting to go over. But as I look further down, the leaves on the other plants look much fresher. So, they've probably sown these many weeks ago, and a few weeks later, sown the rest, and a few weeks later, sown the rest. So, that they're getting that constant successional sowing going on. Now moving down from that, towards the back there is some lovely looking purple kale which has grown very very tall, it's about four foot tall so growing very very well, looks like some lovely leaves on that and that will keep going throughout the winter. But then we've got running the stretch of these, the 10 metres along, two hoop nets and in these I can see we've got some young salad leaves so it looks like there's some young kale has gone in Swiss chard and spinach in there and the same in the second one so these are obviously just been planted out they're getting them established which is what the nets are there for to protect them and then they're going to grow on and uh, hopefully grow into food Moving down from that, leeks, quite a few leeks. Again, some of these are starting to put up their flower spikes, but they're doing quite well. They're nice, thick and big plants. In fact, 
the leaks right in front of me are probably about four foot tall so they've put on plenty of height doing really really well for that bit of leak rust I can see which are those tiny red little blotches that you sometimes get on garlic or leeks not the end of the world I'll be fair I get that on my garlic and my leeks so to see it here isn't anything to really worry about but nonetheless it is good to see just these things are growing I suspect these are being saved for seed now as we get further down there becomes areas where there's much more going on so here we've got parsnips they are nice and big foliage on top I don't know what's going on underground but I suspect they're going to be a good lot of parsnips and these parsnips are two rows maybe three actually but they stretch the whole 10 meters across so lovely to see and towards the end we've got just some other little flowery plants i think these are to bring in some of the pollinators to try and help with pollination and things like that now what we got further down squash area so there's a good amount of squashes nasturtiums planted in between the squashes as well so we've got courgettes and marrows and pumpkins and what have you all growing in this area with these nasturtiums again I suspect to act as pollination and to keep off certain bugs as well companion planting as it's called now what I like here with the pumpkins and the butternut squash the butternut squash aren't huge I've noticed but what I like about these squash plants they've got different sizes so you've got the big pumpkins there's a few of those scattered around and some of these big ones have got almost like a warty skin which I know can be quite appealing especially when it comes to Halloween but then they've also got the smaller pumpkins that are only about big enough that they fit in this palm of my hand they're pretty small and the same with butternut squash actually there's quite a few of those they're a bit on the small side compared to what we see in a supermarket but I think they are a good size but what they've also done with these pumpkins is they've actually grown them up teepees and trellises because they are small they seem to cope quite well and this is something I quite like the idea of and we might look into doing that in the future so we're just coming past that vegetable bed now we've done the whole length of it and we've got a row here of rose hips now rose hips aren't something we often think about growing but the fruits on that actually make a really delicious jam and although I've never grown it but myself I have eaten rose hip jam and it is really quite tasty but the other thing I like about rose hips is they got really thorny stalks so if you want to grow something for security rose hips are something you might want to look at and then we've got a fruit bed where I can see there's a mixture of raspberries gooseberries and currants now this fruit bed is five meters wide but 10 meters long there's quite a bit squashed into that area which is really really good to see now as we make our way further down we're past the vegetable patch and into the orchard area where there's quite a few lovely trees i mentioned these earlier they're going along with pears apples medlars all which are really quite attractive there's not much i can really say about those they, they look very old in some cases full of lichen but again around the base on these ones down here they've actually mulched with plenty of compost as well which is probably why they're also looking so good i do like an orchard i would love to have an orchard at home but we just haven't got the space to do it 
But one thing that has caught my eye is a rather large and long arch. Now this is about a 50 metre long arch, 10 metres wide, made of metal. Now this would have pears growing up, it trained to grow up over the arch and the pears fall down inside. Unfortunately, there is closed for restoration at the moment so it's not got any pears growing on it but I see this in quite a few places and I personally really would love to do something like that in my house as well I think they look fantastic now just behind that there is the greenhouse and I spotted this earlier it's quite a lovely looking greenhouse again it's about 20 meters long 10 meters wide so it's quite a sizable one it's brick along the bottom to about 60 centimeters two foot and then the glass house is on top of that there is actually we're not allowed to go inside but the door is open either side of a door on the outside there are pot plants full of dahlias and cosmos and various other flowering plants again it looks quite attractive but I think this is here to bring in the pollinators but if we just stand at the entrance and I'll describe to you what I'm seeing so down the right hand side there are pots of tomatoes growing right up to the roof with pots of marigolds as well again marigolds tomatoes are good companions tomatoes are still fruiting i can see plenty of green tomatoes plenty of red tomatoes so that's doing absolutely great and that takes up about half of the right hand side past that there's some benches where they've got some seeds that they've been sowing covered in horticultural grit uh, and beyond that where they've been pricking them out down the very very far end on the very back i can see there's some squashes that have been harvested and just hardening off and getting ready hanging from the ceiling as well there's garlic and lavender which is just a great sight to see now come down the left hand side there is a container containing compost which is for filling up pots i see this in quite a few gardens as a potting up area i quite like the idea of it and then as we come down towards the front it's actually a bench here with chilies on top and the bench has got like a support frame above it as well which is helping with the chilies the chilies are full of red yellows green chilies and there's a lot of them then below that bench of course somewhere to store the pots which is a great thing to see again this has given me ideas for what we can do with our greenhouse at home now just beyond the greenhouse attached to the greenhouse as well is the cold frame this is something i've always looking at and i've spoke about how we're going to be making our nursery area just outside our greenhouse and these cold frames are what i'm sort of looking at doing so how do i describe these so these are basically a um, angled roof where glass would fit and then you've got brick all the way around warms up during the day and all the plants on the inside keep warm throughout the night great thing to see and actually what i've done where the plants have been pricked out and into bigger pots just hardening off they've been moved out to this area to um, make the most of it so there we go i've taken you on the tour of the vegetable garden here at bateman's well worth a visit if you are coming down this way it's in east sussex highly recommend it if you are you can do it quite easily in a day and look around at everything so it's not a site that has so much to do just getting the uh, gardener come along with his lawnmower now so i think it's time because we are also by the cafe area 
to head on into the cafe and get a cup of tea. And that sounds like a good time to head on over to Chef Scott's kitchen. Hi, it's Scott here, and this week I have a recipe for a soup that for me just screams October, as all the ingredients for it are at their absolute best right now. It's a soup I love making this time of year, and it's celeriac, apple and walnut soup with an optional sprinkling of blue cheese. I mean, I say optional, but let's face it, it's cheese, so why wouldn't you? It's a classic combination of flavours that work especially well together in this comforting soup. And so, to the recipe. The ingredients you will need are one large celeriac, or if you're anything like me and can only grow small ones, about four, but you need to end up with about 800 grams. 300 grams of eating apples, reserve 100 grams for the walnut garnish, 250 grams of diced white onion, 60 grams of diced celery, 80 grams of butter, 100 milliliters of double cream, 100 grams of diced walnuts, a small bunch of parsley, a squeeze of lemon, 150 milliliters of extra virgin olive oil, and 1.7 liters of water. Method. Start by sweating off the onions and celery in the butter and cook these down until nice and soft. Then add the celeriac and 200 grams of the apples followed by the water. I never use stock cubes or anything when I'm making a soup. I find it muddies the flavour and I want the soup to taste of the vegetables I'm using. So, now the water has been added, we can bring the pan to a boil and then reduce down to a gentle simmer and gentle simmer for about 40 minutes or until the celeriac is tender. Whilst that's happening, we can make a start on the walnut garnish. Do this by finely dicing the remaining apple and mixed with the chopped walnuts, parsley, oil and a squeeze of lemon and set aside. I think the garnish is really important as it adds a freshness to the soup. And now all we have to do is add the cream to the soup, season with salt and pepper and blitz to a smooth texture. Then pour into soup bowls and spoon a generous helping of the walnut garnish over and of course a sprinkling of the not so optional blue cheese. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Well I want to thank Scott for that recipe once again. I have to admit celeriac is always a vegetable that I struggle to know what to do with but this recipe sounds absolutely delicious and I for one will certainly be trying it. If you want to read and follow the recipe or find out more about Batemans, I have added all the links to the show notes for this episode. Now today you find me on the allotment where I have actually this week planted out some Swiss chard. Now this particular variety of Swiss chard has these really vibrant yellow stems and I think that they look great on an allotment or a vegetable garden. Swiss chard has a particularly colourful appeal. Red, yellow, green, white. They look stunning. Now these plants I actually sowed from seed a few weeks ago. I actually sowed them into little plug plants. And I've got to admit that planting out these plug plants is so easy. Dib a hole drop the plant in and off it goes there's very little root disturbance it really is quite easy usually however what i found when planting out these swiss chard is that as i dipped into the soil i stumbled across a bit of a surprise underneath the soil was some black membrane 
Now this solved a bit of a mystery for me. I had my sweet corn here before the Swiss chard came along and the sweet corn was very, very poor. And I think this black membrane underneath the soil is explaining why the roots were unable to go down low enough to really access water or nutrients or anything like that. So it solved a mystery. I've now removed that black membrane and then was able to plant out the rest of my Swiss chard. So hopefully now this bed is going to get better in following years. This is why or one of the reasons I'm not a fan of using black membrane and leaving it in the soil. Now moving on from that, I decided it was high time to tame the elder tree that I have down here. With my trusty cordless hedge trimmer from YAB, I gave it a good pruning. It was just getting a little bit unruly and I was suspicious that the council was going to be in touch soon about it. The trouble is that I'm now left with a load of the prunings. Now, you might say that's not really a problem, but I have nowhere to pot them. All my compost bins are completely brimming with compostable material. I always say that I need to produce more and more compost. And now, to do that, I need more bins. But, added to that, I've also found a source of horse manure this week as well so we're gonna certainly be able to produce more compost in years to come anyway back to the elder tree this elder tree has become a bit of a conundrum i've said in the past that i want to get rid of it it's a very untidy tree and difficult to keep tidy it actually came with me from my old allotment and I think I'm a bit attached to it. That's why I have trouble getting rid of it. I said earlier about my hoarding tendencies. I think this just has to go. Winter might hold the answer if I'm actually able to get rid of it. Now, one of my winter projects that I want to do this year is the moving of the shed. And I've actually started this project off this week. The first thing that I had to do was dismantle my old compost bin, which goes ironically against what I was saying earlier about all my compost bins being full. But this compost bin was made during the lockdown of 2020. And the wood that I used to make this bin was actually repurposed pallet wood that had previously built my allotment beds. Let's just say the wood on this was pretty soft, and that meant that the compost bin came apart very easily anyway with the compost bin now taken apart i had to trim around the area with it there was a lot of comfrey that had grown down which i've cut down and uh, we're putting that comfrey to some good use as well i did want to start digging out this area to level the ground which makes it easier and better for when i move the shed but looking at the soil it's going to be a big job and I don't have anywhere to pop the soil either. So I'm having to rethink how we're going to be tackling that. It will happen, don't get me wrong, it will happen. It's just there's no rush to level the ground just yet. I want to get the ground just right so that when the shed does get moved it's not going to give any problems in the future. So yeah, it's been another very productive week here on the allotment. And again, lots of food has been harvested once again. Well, that is it from the allotment today. And this brings us to the end of this week's podcast. 
Now, if you have a veg garden that you love to visit, then please do let us know where it is and what you like about it. Now, to get in touch, you can visit the website at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk and leave a voicemail, or you can email me, richard at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk. Or, of course, you can find me on social media. Now, don't forget to rate and review on your podcast provider, and please consider becoming a member of our supporters club if you have enjoyed this podcast and want to support the work that we do. Both of these really do help me out massively, and I really do appreciate everyone that takes the time to do these. We will be back again next time, so until then, please take care.